So uh, John Stott was a great preacher and Bible commentator. He said this, doesn't matter how long you preach, it should feel like 20 minutes. And I know what your response would be. No, it should be 20 minutes. <laughs> I want you to know today that one of the greatest men ever to walk this earth never walked a university platform or received a college degree. In fact, he didn't even graduate from what we call high school. He was probably learning challenged. He wasn't wealthy by this world's standards. And he remained very poor, relatively poor, his whole life, his whole life. However, when he was asked by a paraplegic beggar outside an entrance to Jerusalem called, it's called Beautiful, this is what he said. He said, silver and gold have I none. He wasn't kidding. He didn't have any. Silver and gold have I none. By this world's standards, I'm, I'm nothing. I got, I got nothing. But such as I have, I give to you. That's what we're going to be talking about today the such as I have in Jesus Christ. The such as I have, despite the fact that my life's a mess and, and people would call me a loser in this world, despite the fact I don't have any money or education and I'm learning challenge, but such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And the guy did. The guy did. So we want to realize today that no matter what our condition as life is, that our effectiveness and our contribution and, and, and our lives are not generated by our bank accounts or our status or our education. They're generated by one thing, the such as I have, which is our knowledge and growth in Jesus Christ. That'll all be clear to you when you die. And you'll turn around and say, Pastor Tony was right. <laughs> and the Apostle Peter proves one thing, that God can do anything with a life that will turn itself over to him. I mean, look at Jim Power. Living, breathing example. So, so if you weren't with us last week, you can get your note for First Peter notebooks out because we started First Peter. We're going to go through it. We're not going to rush through it. We're going to walk through it. We want to take a stroll through it. Today we will finish up the first two verses um, that we started last week. I'm going to read um, verses 1 through 7 because I want you to see the context that, that verses 1 and 2 roll into. 
But what's really neat about this book and us studying this book together is that Peter is known above all other apostles as the apostle of transformation. How would you like to be Peter? It took two years and 16 chapters from the book of Matthew for Jesus to say anything nice to Peter. When he confesses him, as he said, you're the rock, okay? So I'm going to change your name. That's the first time in chapter 16 of Matthew that he says anything nice to him. Everything else is like, man, you're such a loser. And you're following me. So the, the nice thing about it is you see Peter going from that to Peter was the man that Jesus um, chose to lead his church at the very beginning. You can be a leader in God's church without educational background and without finances, but you can't without a heart that wants to obey and grow in God. You can't. And that's what Peter had. So let me read these verses and we'll, we'll jump into it. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 7. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect, exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, praise God, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you're in your 20s, if you're in your teens, I want you to remember something. You can be a world changer. The Apostle Peter, when he left to follow Jesus, was in his probably mid to late teens. Uh, the disciples were. That was the stage of life that they would have been in. So if you're here and thinking, God can't use me or God can't do anything with me, and you're in your 20s, then you need to do what our first point is. You need to begin to think differently about yourself. And that is the transformation that, that Peter teaches about in the first few verses. So you need to start, start changing the way you think. Did you know that uh, the human brain triples between birth and one years old? There are, um, it's amazing. It generates 25 watts of power while we're awake, enough to power a light bulb. So if I see your light bulb go out, be 
you're sleeping, that's right. <laughs> 100 billion neurons. But the, 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 the relevant fact is we think about 70,000 thoughts a day. Okay? And uh, God designed us to think, but the thoughts, uh, our, our thoughts are always God-honoring on a day-to-day basis. And so, so when Christ comes in your life, what God says, I'm going to make you right with me. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, and you have to do that, you're going to hear me teach on the elect. But you see, even though uh, that is a true biblical concept, you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And when, he do, when you do, he says, I will do all this for you. I will make you my son. I will forgive your sins. I will wash you. I will give you new power and new strength and a new heart. But you need to work on what you start thinking about. So uh, the Apostle Paul says, Be conf- do, not, do, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by, look, the renewing of your mind. That phrase in the Greek, it's very simple. It's to make your mind new. So what the Apostle Paul is saying there is that transformed is a word metamorphosize. So you'll be metamorphosized. That, that's like a, a cocoon going into a butterfly. You'll be doing that not just by doing a whole lot of good things, but by feeding on a lot of good things, the Word of God, and changing how you think. Peter, when you go out to Pittsburgh, you're going to have to change how you think about yourself. You will no longer be an associate pastor. Virtually unemployed, with the God of heaven and earth behind you to do power and wonder and signs and miracles to start church in Pittsburgh. You have to change the way you think about yourself, okay? And so that is why this unlearned fisherman started his letter not with inspiration, but with doctrine. It's unbelievable. The guy that was... Seriously, the guy that, it, it, it's been said, John, John MacArthur said, Peter had a foot-shaped mouth. But he starts with, 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 um, with, with doctrine. And, and the reason he does is because, well, let, let me, it's a brief story, but there was years ago, there was an evangelist that came into the Southwest, and uh, he was holding meetings in a town. And uh, at the end of each meeting, it was a week-long meeting, he would always give the invitation to come forward and recommit your life to Christ. And so the first night, a man came forward, and he said, I want to recommit my life to the Lord. Fill me, O Lord. And the next night, the same guy comes down and says, I want to recommit my life to the Lord. Fill me, O Lord. The third night, and by the third night, people are getting kind of tired of it. I want to recommit my life to the Lord. Fill me, O Lord. And some guy from the back yells, Don't do it, Lord. He leaks. 
throughout your life. You can't rely and grow on yesterday's spiritual bread because you leak. Your life leaks. And so Peter starts out by this great, these seven great transformational statements. And he says, transform the way you think by looking at yourself. And then he gives seven in the first two verses. That you are the elect of God. That you're an exile. That you're foreknown and therefore have an intimate and saving relationship with God. That you are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That you are set apart for obedience. That you were sprinkled with Christ's blood, set apart to be priests. And that through this, God's plan is to multiply grace and peace in your life. Okay? The reason a lot of people don't experience the grace and peace of God is because they don't do the work of transforming their mind and doing exactly what Peter said. So let me run through these because we don't hit them that often. First of all, um, elect. Elect. That's the word eklektos. It means to choose for yourself. To choose for yourself. Okay? So, pop quiz. What do you call a basketball player who plays for the city of Philadelphia? Yeah, or a loser, one or the other. <laughs> what do you call somebody who plays the team that plays softball for Stillwaters? One, two, three. Green machine. It's the green machine. All right, what do you call someone who plays football for the University of Cam uh, Campbell University, North Carolina? This is why I didn't go there. They call them the fighting camels. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I didn't go there, but I gotten in. But the big question is, what do you call a Christian? An elect one. An elect one. That's what you call a Christian. That's what Peter's saying to the elect. You call him or her or a child, an elect one. The word is used about Christians 22 times in the New Testament. You can't get out of it. It's just what it says. So <clears throat> it means to choose for yourself. God chose you. Look at what uh, Ephesians uh, uh, says here. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Even as He chose us in Him, when? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy and blameless before us. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. The word predestined um, in the Greek, it means to simply to decide beforehand. Okay? So, um, if you're a believer, you're, you need to change the way you think about yourself and your life. You have been elected, selected, chosen, and mapped out for glory. Some of that includes trials. Some of the perfecting encourage trials to get there. You can try to get out of it, but you can't. 
Because God has His will for you. Both He wills the trial and He wills the way out of the trial. Okay? But it should change your identity. One of the things that afflicts a lot of us is um, sort of a negative self-image compared to others. We compare ourselves to others. But see, Peter says to these dispersed Christians who are living very difficultly, man, you guys are God's chosen. And don't you forget it. The next thing he says is exiles. All right? Well, <clears throat> that word can also be translated aliens. Um, the minute you confess Christ, you go from being a citizen of this world to being another citizen, a citizen of heaven. And that makes you an alien. It's absolutely true. And it's not an easy state to be in. Ask anybody in the United States that's living here as an immigrant. It's not an easy state to be in. Okay? Um, but as a Christian, you have to get used to it. And so... Um, uh, uh, Peter uh, calls these believers aliens, and, and he says we should be different around those, from those around us because this is not my home. We should be different. Uh, he'll develop this theme in his later, a letter later on. You can see in just a few verses later, in verse 17, he says, Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. And in chapter 2, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. You see, <clears throat> as Christians, we should be like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. And this ain't it. <laughs> this ain't it. This isn't it. Why are you acting like it is? Why are you pretending like this? Why are you putting all your eggs in this basket? It's not it. Christ didn't die for this. If he did, I'm going to go do something else. It's, I don't know about you, but it's, I look around the world today and go, man, this is tough. We are exiles. Another way of putting that, we're secret agents. We're God's secret agents, right? So he's developing a, a mental attitude. According to the foreknowledge of God, it's the word prognosis. Um, unfortunately, some of us have had some prognoses before. You know, doctors have said, well, it's my educated opinion that this is what's happened and this is what's going to happen, which is uh, certainly a good use of the word. But um, let me just say, God doesn't make any educated guesses. Some people think that, that foreknowledge means that God looked down in advance who was going to believe and he elected those, okay? He does know ahead of time only because he chose us, all right? So according to foreknowledge of God, in the sanctification of the Spirit, I personally like this one. We don't specifically break down doctrine a lot of times, but... The sanctification of the Spirit. Because it brings up an issue that we have to understand as followers of Christ. I hope you're writing all this down. Okay? And it's the already and not yet issue. 
We are already sanctified. If you read the Bible, your Bible says, you know, we've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. But then the Bible says we're being sanctified and we will be sanctified. So there's an already and a not yet. We've already been blessed by Christ. But I'll tell you one thing, you haven't yet been blessed like you're going to be blessed. We have already been made right with God. We've already been seated in heavenly places. That's called positional justification. This is called positional sanctification. We've been washed by the blood of Christ. But you see, after that, there's progressive sanctification. And that is what Peter is majoring on. Progressive sanctification. And to do that, what he is saying is, you need to change the way you think. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Now remember it. Remember when you go to work on Monday. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Remember when you get up and start uh, ministering your kids. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And you have an obligation to teach them first the Word of God and secondly how to make a lot of money and give to the church. So... Um, I like this story um, only because it, it really, you know, um, there, was a, there was a Bible study meeting um, of some women, and they were studying Malachi, and they came to this verse in Malachi that says, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Love that verse. And so they were confused about God's character in this. So they charged the woman who's leaning to go to a place where they refine silver and gold and find out what they're talking about. So the woman went the next week and, and, she, and she called the guy, yeah, I, I refine silver and gold. So yeah, you can come watch. So she comes in the back, back into his office, but he's in the back. Says, oh yeah, come on in. So he's got a pot about this big and it's got gold in it. And there's a really hot fire that he's got going. And um, she said, can I ask you some questions about this? Sure. First of all, um, how often do you have to sit here and watch this? And the guy says, I can't take my eye off of it. If I do, and the temperature gets too hot, it'll ruin it. God doesn't take his eye off of you. You may think he does, but he doesn't. And they talk some more. And as she's leaving, oh, I forgot to ask you, when do you know it's done? And the guy smiled. He said, oh, that's easy. When I could see my image reflected in it. Nate, God isn't done with you until he can see his image reflected in you. Jeff, God isn't done with you until he can see his image reflected in you. And you can try to get out of it. You can try to get around it. You can run from it. But you're going to find out yourself in the belly of a whale until you get with a program and get with God's program. And God's program involves the next one. For obedience to Jesus Christ. I want you to see one of the major wonderful qualities about Peter. And it's in this little scene in Matthew 4. As Peter was walking beside the sea, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting an end into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said, come, follow me. And Jesus said, I will make you a fisherman. At once they left their nets and followed him. 
to church today. Oh, I'm so tired. I had such a long night. I'm going up with my friends. He says to Peter, leave your business and your family and follow me. And, and it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. Let me encourage you right now. Right now, right now, right now. At once obey. At, at once do it. When you hear God speaking to you, do it. I was in a restaurant this week, and um, I, I walked out, and the waitress, I, we've had the waitress before, and she's this sweet 50-year-old woman who has a son who's in youth ministry who just had a child. And it was just wonderful. She's a wonderful person and always pleasant. And she, uh, she's worked at Dutchway for 27 years. She doesn't make a lot of money, and she's trying to fly out to see her son. Doesn't have enough money, you know, and... And so she was just sharing some details. So I walked out, and as much as I know the voice of the Lord, I heard him say, go back and give her a $100 check. Without talking to your wife first. <laughs> and so I caught in the car, and I, I could have driven away. But I just grabbed the checkbook, made it out for $100. I, did, I didn't know what her name was. I mean, I can forget anything right now. Um, and, and, and wrote it out and, um, uh, and went back to the cashier. I said, what was, our, what was our waitress's name? Oh, that was Colleen. What's her last name? And she looked at me like I was like a stalker. <laughs> uh, Swope. Okay, Colleen Swope. Full up, give it to her. And I said, God wants you to have this. And we, and we hope you get to see your new grandchild. Um, Obey right away. That's where the battles are won and lost. There's a really good phrase that we'll end with, and that's called the battle before the battle. And the battle before the battle is this, in obedience. Decide ahead of time what you're going to do when you run into a given situation. If you have a problem with the computer, then decide, as soon as you know that computer starts to tempt you, turn it off. That's the battle before the battle. You want it there, and then just turn it off. If you know watching late-night television, you watch things you shouldn't watch, then you decide as soon as 10.30 comes on, just go upstairs. You see, you win the battle before the battle by deciding what you're going to do when the temptation comes. I'm going to obey at once. Treasures in heaven are being laid up for those that would obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ at once. Treasures of the power of the Spirit, of transformation, and of even usefulness in the body of Christ are for those who would obey at once the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you go out in your week, this coming week, challenge yourself where you can obey more at once what the Lord has revealed to you. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would take the word that um, we have heard today and apply it to our hearts. That we would flee from the sin that we all get into. And that we would, um, we would learn to obey at once. Father, I pray that you would strengthen our faith. 
to know that we are being watched by God and overseen by his presence. I pray we would believe it, that we would rejoice in it, and we would give you great praise for it this week. We ask these things in Christ's name. And Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't believe in Christ, I'm not here to twist anybody's arm, but I am here to say he's the best thing going. Father, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.